this is home. Decatur's home for me. Born and raised here. I went to Muffley, went to TJ for junior high and Eisenhower High School. Well, my junior high self would say I was cool, but that's not the case. So awkward, um, athletic, um, and shy, very quiet. Oh goodness, uh, Barbie dolls. I remember having Barbie dolls and setting up their places to live and the Legos became stairs, so Barbie dolls definitely. Or Strawberry Shortcake is favorite too because it smelled good. <laughs> My favorite movie is Greatest Showman, and, or anything Hallmark, um, because everything always works out as it should in Hallmark movies. <laughs> uh, anything chocolate, and anything with caramel in it is even better. So, Take Five is really good. I mean, Snickers, yeah, it kinda depends, but I'll go anything chocolate. Uh, I am a twin, and my husband always says that he married the cuter one, so I do have a twin brother, so just to clarify that, and probably something else is I survived a yard dart being thrown on my forehead when I was two years old. So my people are my husband Jack of 22 years and our son Carter who uh, is 13. Well, now that you know all of that fun stuff about me, uh, I am Heather, and I am glad that we can look at God's Word together today. And I want to say welcome to those of you here in the West Auditorium, and those who are worshiping with us in the East Auditorium, and also to those who are worshiping with us online. So you just saw a picture of me in junior high, and I believe it'll be up there again. And ironically, um, I thought I looked cool in that picture. And as I look at it now, about 30 years later, I realized that I was, in fact was not, and that I was a little bit awkward, or a lot awkward. And so I have the privilege of hanging out with our middle school and high school students each weekend. And I would say, I feel like students nowadays don't quite go through the awkward phase like we did. Now I also recognize I'm a little partial to our students, and I think they're great in all ways and they, none of them look awkward to me. But I also recognize 30 years from now that they will probably look back at their middle school pictures and realize them, or think that they were awkward too. So all of it to say, I'm thankful that we outgrow our awkward phases, or at least I hope I did. And, um, so today we wrap up our overflow series and it's been great to hear from the heart of so many of our pastors. But as the saying goes, they say the best for last. Just, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, BJ, Thomas, and Jonathan, but there it is. So, of course, I'm just kidding. I am excited today to be able to share with you out of the overflow of my heart. And we will be in Ephesians chapter 3, looking at verses 14 through 21. And you can find that in your Bibles or find it on your Bible app. This is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church of the believers in Ephesus. And I would say this, is, this would be my prayer for each one of us today. A lot of us who follow Jesus would say, I follow him with everything that I am. I commit my life to him, I serve him. We talk about it, we sing about it, we even pray about it. As we look at scripture today though, I wonder if we were really honest with ourselves, if the statement of, I have surrendered my whole life to Jesus is really true for us. I have surrendered my whole life to Jesus. Is that really true for me? Is that really true for you? Have we really given Jesus full access to every area of our lives? Does he permeate every part of who we are and all that we do? Today's passage in Ephesians has challenged me and I pray and trust that it will challenge you to explore and take steps 
and allowing Jesus access in every area of your life and that he would dwell fully in you. As we move into the passage today, though, I wanna give you some background of what's taking place here in the book of Ephesians. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament in the Bible, uh, writes this letter from prison, and it's a great description of the Christian life in the New Testament. It is written to churches about simply what it means to be a church. And Paul was the spiritual father, or if you could say the pastor, of these early Christians. And he was deeply concerned that these believers understood the saving grace of Jesus and that they lived their lives in response to that grace, which of course is to become more like Jesus. He reminds these believers that in his sovereign love, God has chosen them, he has forgiven them, he has brought them into his family, made them his children, and promised them eternal blessings exactly what he has done for each of us as well. So read along with me in Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. We see that before Paul begins his prayer that he kneels before the Father. He's taking a posture of humility and reverence before our Heavenly Father, and he's showing his dependence on him. Paul is submitting to God and pouring himself out. Paul kneels before the Father, and then he continues on to say, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Paul is referencing the idea that the assignment of names is the privilege of the Creator. Think about it when it comes to our families. A mom and a dad have a baby and they give that baby a name and that name is essential to that child's identity. See, not only does our name tell us who we are, but it ties us to our parents who gave us that name. My husband's name is Jack and our son is Carter Jackson and his middle name came from the idea that he is Jack's son. And so Carter is tied to Heather and to Jack whether he wants to be or not. But our Heavenly Father is the ultimate creator who created all families, and that's you and that's me. And being named by our Heavenly Father is what gives us our spiritual identity and it ties us to him. And I'm thankful to be tied to my Heavenly Father. Paul's prayer is not only for the church in Ephesus, but it's also for us um, today. And we see that Paul begins his prayer in verse 16, and we notice the basis of Paul's confidence in God's ability to answer prayer abundantly. Verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious, unlimited riches. The riches of God are infinite, and Paul is praying for God to shower these Christians with infinite blessings. So often we pray out of our own lack of faith. May we learn to pray based on our belief in God's unending supply. As Paul begins his prayer, we see his heart for the people he is writing to. And I would say this is my prayer for each one of us today, that we would in every area of our lives invite God to dwell, know his love, and experience the fullness of God. 
Paul prays, first of all, that the believers would in every area of their life invite God to dwell. Verse 17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What does our heart represent to us? It's the center of one's being, both spiritual and physical. It's that which makes an individual person what he or she is. It's our character, our intellect, our personality. And Paul's vision in this is that having experienced God's infinite blessings, that these Christians and we might harbor God's presence in the innermost part of our being. And he prays that Christ would dwell in our hearts. And the word dwell means to live or to reside or to settle down. It refers to a permanent habitation, not an occasional visit. And Paul is praying that the spirit would permeate their whole being through and through and that the work of Christ in us might continue to deepen and grow. Think of it this way. How many of us invite people over to our homes for dinner? Or we have had people over to our homes for dinner, yes. And um, I know it looks a little bit different now or we may not do it quite as often. But when you invite those dinner guests over, what are some things that you do to get ready for them? I know for our family, we dust, we vacuum, we clean our bathrooms, and we put away the things that we don't want them to see. But how many of you um, would say that you take the time to clean out your closets and drawers to get ready for the dinner guests to come over? If you do, will you please raise your hand? Anybody? All right, so we're all in the same boat that we don't do that, but I was just gonna, if you do, like, you're welcome to come to my house and take care of that for me. Or if you wanna start, you can start in my drawers and closets. But as nobody here in this room <laughs> raised their hands, I would say the majority of us do not take the time to clean out our closets and drawers because our friends are not gonna see them. They're gonna hang out in our kitchens, or our living rooms, or maybe our basements. In fact, our closets and our drawers become the places that we hide stuff that we don't want them, them to see. We hide our clothes, our toys, or the papers, or any other junk that we want out of their, their sight. And so we stuff things in our drawers and we walk away. How many of us have been there? We're gonna probably do that again. That is me, so. Robert Boyd Munger wrote a short booklet called My Heart, Christ Home. And in it, he compares the heart to a home. And when Jesus comes into the heart, he is invited into the living room and he's asked to be seated and to feel right at home as an honored guest. But when he starts poking into the closets and drawers, in other rooms in the house, it's obvious that the host isn't prepared for him. That these rooms are off limits to the influence of Christ. But you asked me to live here, didn't you? Asked Christ. All of us have sins and selfishness hidden even to ourselves, and as the Holy Spirit permeates our entire being, we gradually become more and more surrendered to him. Every closet and room, every drawer and chest, and we come to know him better and better. And Paul is praying that this process might be accelerated in the church and also in us. So let me ask you, what have you shoved in the drawers of your heart? What are the drawers that you haven't opened up to our heavenly Father? Maybe for some of us, it's a broken relationship that needs to be healed, or an unhealthy relationship that we need to walk away from. Maybe for some of us, it's what we're posting on social media or what we're watching or reading or listening to that we've hidden from our Heavenly Father. Maybe for some of us, it's our time commitments, what we have on our calendar and how we spend time with God. 
that we have hidden in the drawers of our heart. Maybe for some of us, we need to forgive somebody or let go of a grudge. Or maybe we've been carrying the weight of pain or bitterness or anger or hurt or frustration or questions or grief or sadness. And we've kept the weight of that away from our Heavenly Father. Our relationship with God requires a day-by-day surrender to God and a dealing with and giving up of sins that he reveals and being stretched by God to open ourselves more to his work in our lives. God desires to dwell on every part of who we are and all that we do. Paul has prayed that we would invite God to dwell in every area of our life And he continues his prayer in verse 17 and prays that in every area of our lives that we would know God's love. It says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. God wants us to have his love permeate every part of who we are. He wants it to be in every drawer in our heart. And Paul prays that we would be rooted and established in this love. How many of you are gardeners here? Can you raise your hand if you're a gardener here? All right, we've got a few gardeners I see in the room. And uh, I am not. I do not have anything close to a green thumb. In fact, my plants get to go visit my mom every now and then so they have a chance to survive. And she takes them and nurtures them and loves on them and then I get them back and unfortunately the cycle does repeat itself. And so you really don't wanna be a plant in my house. As every gardener knows though, plants depend on their roots for nourishment. Their roots might be underground and invisible but they're essential to the well-being of the plant. But it also depends on the soil. If the soil is good, then the the roots will have the moisture and nutrients that is needed for the plant to grow and to live. However, if the soil contains no moisture or nutrients, the roots will be helpless, unable to support the life of the plant, and the plant will die. But when Paul says that we are rooted and established in God's love, he is saying that we have no reason to worry about the spiritual soil in which we are rooted. This love, God's love, is agape love. It's the highest form of love that there is, and it's about giving and not getting. And Paul is saying that this should be our foundation for everything that we do. He is asking that God's love might more and more be our way of life, and that it is in every drawer of our hearts. You see, God's love is an unconditional love like no other. It's a love that allowed him to send his son to die on a cross for you and for me. It's a love that he wants in every drawer of our hearts and lives. Paul prays that as we are rooted in God's love, that we would then have the power to grasp how wide how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. When he's saying the power to grasp, he's saying may we have the ability to understand and comprehend the incomprehensible. How can Christ love his enemies? How can God send his only son to a world that rejects him to redeem them? 
to the natural mind, it doesn't make sense. It truly is mind-blowing. And Paul acknowledges with the phrase that it's a love that surpasses knowledge. But Paul doesn't pray that we might just get it. He prays that we might grasp the full scope of God's love, the width, the length, the height, and the depth. And by the width of it, may we understand that it extends to all ages, all genders, ethnicities, social classes, everyone, to all people. By the length of it, that it is never ending, that it goes on forever. And by the height of it, that it carries us into heaven where we get to spend eternity with Jesus. And by the depth of it, that it stoops to the lowest condition with a desire to save those who have sunk down into the pits of sin and misery. It looks to reach into every drawer of our hearts and lives. Paul wants his audience then and now to know this infinite love of, the infinite reach of this love in all directions and how it can be a part of all that we are and all that we do. Romans 8, 31 through 39 is one of my favorite passages of scripture and it talks about God's love. And it said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God. It's a love that is unconditional, unlike any other that we can experience. So where do you land when it comes to grasping this kind of love? Maybe you're hearing it for the first time. God loves you unconditionally, no matter what. Maybe you've walked away from God and all things faith-related for whatever reason. You've experienced hurt or pain or there's bitterness and you need to hear it again. God loves you unconditionally, no matter what. Maybe you do follow Jesus and you simply need to hear, be reminded of it again. God loves you unconditionally, no matter what. It doesn't matter what we have done, what we will do, who we are, who we're not. God loves each one of us exactly as we are. And my prayer is that we are able to grasp God's love. Paul has prayed that we would, in every area of our life, invite God to dwell, to know his love. And then he prays that the believers of the church in Ephesus, and we as well, would in every area of our lives experience the fullness of God. So what does it mean to, experience, to be filled with all the fullness of God? Going back to our illustration of Jesus having access to all the rooms in our house, it means unlocking all doors and cabinets, all drawers and, and chests that have been closed to Jesus and cleaning them out. And many of us, we have hurts that have not been healed and underneath the scab are these sores of bitterness. And if that is the case, we must go back and open up those wounds, dress it with forgiveness and cover it this time with God's grace that can cover a multitude of sins. Unlocking some of these doors may require rethinking our value system that has been too strongly influenced, influenced by culture and realigning it with the word of God. It may evolve a change in the way we treat people. 
It's opening up the drawers of our heart and minds and giving it all to Jesus. It's giving him full access to our lives. It's taking that broken relationship or that unhealthy one out of the drawer and letting Jesus heal it and work in those relationships. It's allowing what we post on social media or what we are reading or watching or listening to to be God-honoring. It's allowing our time commitments and where we put our time and what we put on a calendar to make God a priority in that. Maybe it's allowing the forgiveness of God to work in us and through us so that we can forgive those in our lives. It's taking the weight of the hurt and the pain and the bitterness of the grief and the sadness, the questions and misunderstandings. It's taking it out of the drawer and giving it all to our Heavenly Father. If we wanna be filled with all the fullness of God, it requires that we welcome Jesus into and give him access to every area of our lives no matter how much pain his entrance might entail. He must permeate every part of who we are and all that we do and have all of us if he is to fill us completely. What is it that we need to give to Jesus? What are we keeping from him and thus missing out on all of the fullness that he has for our lives? Our heavenly father desires for us to experience all that he has for us and he wants a full relationship with you and with me. Paul closes his prayer with praises to God, and of course, how fitting. It says in verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Paul acknowledges God's power and he prays that God will be glorified in his people. And there's no limit to God's power. Paul describes him as a God that is able to do immeasurably, exceedingly more than all we can ask or imagine. Whatever we may ask or think to ask, God is still able to do more, abundantly more, exceedingly abundantly more. And this immeasurable power as we see is his power that is at work within us. This is the power that will give us the ability and strength to open up every drawer in our hearts and lives to Jesus and allow him to dwell in us, to know his love, and to experience the fullness of him in every area of our life. What drawers do we have closed off to Jesus? He wants to dwell fully in our hearts. What is keeping us from experiencing his incredible love in our lives, an unconditional love like no other? What is keeping us from experiencing the fullness of God? There's a picture on the screens right now, and this is a picture of my family at my niece's wedding um, this past summer. And there are six kids in my family, 14 grandkids and one great grandkid. And it was great to be able to get together and celebrate my niece. But there's one person that is missing from this picture, and that person is my dad. You see, my dad passed away three and a half years ago, and he was having some symptoms of not feeling well, and 
his color didn't look well. And so my mom took him to the, a doc, the doctor on a Friday afternoon. And I got a, a text from her a couple hours later. I was actually here. We were having a family fun night. And she said they were worried about his liver, that they would be running some tests and that they would be in the hospital. And so I left here and I went to the hospital and found out that they were looking for cancer in his liver. Now my parents are people of faith. I was raised in a Christian home and we trusted God in that moment and we knew that he was in control. And so the next day we found out that my dad did in fact have cancer in his liver. And what we thought was gonna be a couple of months with him didn't work out that way. Because my dad passed away the following Friday, May 12th, 2017. It has been one of the most difficult things that I and my family have ever gone through. So we began our journey of grief, which I still feel like we all struggle with at different times. But the first year was really the hardest for us. And I remember it being six months after my dad had passed and I was just really missing him. And I was trying to you know, fulfill my responsibilities and my role as wife and mom and daughter and friend and my responsibilities and my role here and I was just having a hard time. And I didn't find myself mad at God at this point but I was definitely a little bit numb to him. And I'd been trying to read my Bible and spend time with him and but honestly, I was just struggling to be consistent in this. But there was one morning that I was reading from the book of Psalms, and I just remember thinking, God, I don't know how I can do this. This is so hard. And I came across from some verses in Psalm 94 that spoke directly to my heart from our Heavenly Father. And I, it says in Psalm 94, I cried out, I am slipping, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. At this moment, it was as if our Heavenly Father wrapped his loving arms around me and said, you're gonna be okay. I knew I was gonna get through this because I knew I would not be alone in it. Jesus stepped into the messy drawers of my heart and he filled it with his love and his peace and his comfort. I felt God lovingly and graciously step into one of the most difficult moments of my life. You see, my dad passing away was not a surprise to our Heavenly Father. I don't like it, I don't understand it, but I trust the God who loves me so much and will carry me through it. I don't know what each of you in this building today or those worshiping with us online, I don't know what you've gone through I don't know what you presently are going through, and I don't know what you might go through someday. What I can tell you from the overflow of who God is to me and what he has done in my life is that we need to open up all of the drawers of our hearts and lives and allow Jesus to be in everything. We need to accept his unconditional love and let him give us all that he wants for our lives. We need to open ourselves up to the fullness of God. What I can also tell you is that the God who created you in your mother's womb and said you are fearfully and wonderfully made, the God who knows the number of hairs on your head, the God who called you by name, who calls you his son or his daughter, the God who sent his only son to die on a cross for you, he loves you, 
He loves you more than you can imagine, and he wants a relationship with you. And God is good and faithful no matter what. He wants to give you strength and dwell in your hearts. He wants all of you, every drawer open to him. He wants you to experience the incredible love he has for you and all of the fullness that only he can bring to your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life and he is writing his story on your heart if you allow him to do so. We're gonna take the next few moments and we're gonna pray. And as we pray, we're gonna listen to a song called God Who Stays. And I love this song because it explains who our Heavenly Father is and how much He loves us. And as we listen to this song, my prayer for all of us is that we would ask ourselves, what is keeping us from, what are we keeping from Jesus? What drawers do we need to open up to Him? Maybe this could just be a moment of reflection for you too, to think about God's goodness and faithfulness and love in your lives. As we hear these lyrics, may we be reminded of who our Heavenly Father is. May we grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. May we in every area of our life invite God to dwell, know God's love, and experience the fullness of God. May we surrender our whole life to Him, opening up every drawer to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. like a lost cause If I were you I would have turned around and walked away You would have enabled me beyond repair Cause I feel like I'm beyond repair Oh but somehow you don't see me like I do Somehow you're still here You're the God who stays you're the God who stands You're the one who runs in my direction When the whole world walks away You're the God who stands With wide open arms And you tell me nothing I've ever done Could separate my heart from the God who stands I used to hide Every time I thought I'd let you down Thought I'd always have to earn my way But I'm learning you don't work that way But somehow you don't see me like I do Somehow you're still here You're the God who stays You're the God who stays 
You're the one who runs in my direction When the whole world walks away You're the God who stands With wide open arms And you tell me nothing I've ever done Could separate my heart from the God who stays And my shame can't separate my guilt Separate my past, can't separate. I'm yours forever. My sin can't separate my scars, they can't separate my failures. Can't separate. I'm yours forever. No enemy can't separate. No power of hell can take away. You're the God who stays You're the one who runs in my direction When the whole world walks away You're the God who stands With wide open arms And you tell me nothing I've ever done Can separate my heart from the God who stands You're the God who stays. The God who stays.
my helper, my healer, my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength.